Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show, the number one comedy business podcast in the on this girth earth. Number one that I don't know if I like or not. I'm the mirth of girth. Oh Christ! That's what I want my like finder intro to be. You know him as a mirth of girth, Law Smith. Running in with a chair. For real, Z, we just won another award, right? Yeah. What is it? I don't know. It was. I uh, sent it to you. Okay. Dude, you just gave me so much sass. <laughs> I did the whole episode, too. What was that? Sassy. That was a chick sass. Bro, I've been sassy all day. Your hands might as well have been on your hips. They were. I already sent it to you. Um, you know, you can listen to this pragmatic entrepreneurial vice with the real raw dog doc. Uh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere podcasts are served in your eardrums. What? This this episode is sponsored by Zupyak, Z-U-P-Y-A-K, the first search-optimized AI writer. I've been using it. I'm a member, man. Uh, that, look, I love it. I don't like all these very complicated AI content writing things. I just need to write a landing page. I just need to write a blog post. Bing, bang, boom, four steps. Here's all the keywords I need. Oh, get that SEO up. You like that? Yeah. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Go to uh, Zupyak, Z-U-P-Y-A-K dot com and put in the promo code SWEAT. SWEAT. Uh, we, what the hell did we win here? We won. Best SME Advice Podcast 2023 in the USA from North America Business something or other. SME means small, medium enterprise. Let's do this. Howdy toddy. It's called Sweat Equity. Listening to the sweat, daughter, not yeah. uh, holding you, holding you back on this thrilling interview you got to do. <laughs> Super. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we're very cash on this show, so oh. um, you know we just get right into it, man. I don't, we don't do any pre-interview or any of that. Uh, someone right. asked me to come on their show, and then demanded a pre-interview, and I said no, <laughs> I, I don't want to do that uh and um we went back and forth and i go what's the point we're like the just edit it out if you don't like it i think a lot of podcasts are being uh lead gen machines for sure. a lot of people and i'm like why would you waste my time sure anyway, that's my own little uh gripe i've got Awesome. I like it, dude. I, I'm super cash anyway. I can I can roll. I like a good conversation. It's, it's all good with me. How do you say your last name? It's A-M-Y-A-X. Uh, A-M-Y-X. So it's like A and then mix, M-I-X, but A-M-I-X. A-M-Y-X. Yeah. What, what is the etymology of that? Is that do you do that with names? Uh, uh, do you want... Uh, do you want a real answer or a bullshit answer? Whatever you want to do. This is your interview. Moment. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Supposedly, it's Scottish-Irish. I've personally been to Ireland. I, I uh, don't feel like I look like a lot of the people from Ireland. 
So my grandfather always had a joke and he said that we were just playing, they were playing Scrabble one day and those were the letters they had left over and they're like, fuck it, that's our last name. So who knows? Well, that's a triple word score <laughs> pretty much if you can uh, get that down on, on something. Um, hold on, I'm off, I'm off screen one second. I'm just making sure my uh, laptop doesn't burn out. Okay, good. Uh, how about this? Um, socialglow.com. Yep. Why don't you tell our uh, audience about that? So yeah, I don't dude. fumble through it. Sure. So socialglow.com is the number one gamified all-in-one community platform. So it allows anybody who wants to create a community to be able to do so in a highly engaged manner, increase their client retention and their LTV um, using, using um, a community. I like to say it's kind of like, the, the good days of Facebook groups, you know, the days before there was censorship, before there was an algorithm. Uh, it's, kind, it's kind of like that, where you're able to create a community within about five minutes, add as many people as you want. You can add unlimited communities, unlimited courses. But then the cool thing is you then can gamify it. And so that's what I'm, I'm hoping we kind of get into today, because there's some really, really cool business strategy when you start thinking about gamification but also redemption. Like as a business, how do we start allowing people to redeem the points um, for upsells or swag or events or um, strategy sessions? Like the sky's the limit with a redemption strategy. And I don't know many coaches, if at all, who are really leveraging redemption strategy powerfully. Yeah, I haven't heard it called redemption strategy. Is that the, that's the formal term I'm guessing? I don't know. This is what I this is what I, I call it. If you could come up with a better no, name. I don't know. I, I look, I'm I'm into it, but I, I I know it on a personal level, but not a academic or even kind of rabbit hole level. Sure. Gamification's interesting, especially uh you're probably I'm gonna guess a little bit younger than I am. Uh but or I'm 39, but like uh I'm 38, I'm, dude. We're about okay, the same so, age. <laughs> so, we, so our our age group kind of grew up in this era of pre-internet and kind of understanding kind of the what's the commonplace internet as it is now and kind of having to teach ourselves a lot of it, but also video games kind of rewarding. And then also, you know, you have your gamification of promotional advertising, which has been around forever, but uh, I, I feel like in the nineties, it really hit a saturation point with, you know, let's, let's go cereal boxes. Right. Um, before we get all up in that, cause I want to know the psychology of a lot of that stuff. Uh, we ask everybody, uh, two questions when they come on the show. Uh, first one is, um, did you listen to the show before coming on? Yeah, I've totally listened oh. I listen, I check you out. Yeah. So before I hop on a podcast, man, I'm, maybe I'm one of the rare people, but I want to know what I'm getting myself into. And I also feel like it's just a form of just, uh, I don't know, respect. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it's you respect I mean? yourself as I see it. Like if I get asked to come on a show, I'll go take 10 minutes to go check it out. Exactly. Uh, you know, um, so you're one of the rare, I'd say probably 10% of our guests, mm. uh, you know, uh, actually some people come on and, I'm get I get like kind of a vibe that this is like homework for them. And mm. I have to tell all these booking agencies that hit us up, I go, look, if you give us a dud, someone that's not interested in whatever you're asking us to come on, 
you're asking us to have them on the show. Like, don't make it like they're hostage. <laughs> like, they we had so, and I told him like, if that happens, I'm gonna have to like go '90s shock jock Howard Stern and just lay into him. Um, and then uh, my other question we always ask is, uh, while Eric is on hiatus right now, uh, he might be going through a sex change. We don't know. Um, but uh, what's it called? Um, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? My 13-year-old 13, uh, 13 self, I would give that person um, some very pretty basic, simple advice, which is like you have nothing to prove or defend. I know this sounds like super cliche potentially, but I feel like my 13-year-old self, I don't know about you, I felt like I had to go out and like unconsciously at least prove and defend my, my right to exist. And I did that through sports. I did that through academics. I unconsciously did that even into entrepreneurship. And as I've pulled on that thread over the past eight years and kind of unraveled it to a point of asking a question of who am I and why I'm here, um, I've really found value in just existing. And then from that place, there's there's a multitude of freedoms for me to choose however I choose to express myself or go on the journey to create whatever it is that I choose to create. But it's not because it's being driven by I need to prove or defend. It's just I'm just doing it because I enjoy the journey or I enjoy the act of, of creating that thing. I need to put on a sweater and say, AJ, you are enough. Um, but it's – well – I, I I empathize with that. I had I had a buck up my ass when I started my own agency in 2015 because a lot of people thought of me as a comic, and I was like, no no no, I I know this day this day profession as well. Like I wasn't just you know kind of doing menial jobs in my 20s and 30s to get by. I actually had still a professional career and a moonlighting career, and so I really empathize with that because as an adult at least, because it was like, I had a bug up my ass to prove to everybody that I would talk to that I know what I'm talking about. And yeah. especially marketing where it's, there's not a lot of people that have a lot of integrity, I would say. I, I have a bug up my ass about that. So I really empathize at that point. But when you were a kid, you were, what? break it down. Why, why were you always trying to prove yourself or prove your worth? or existence if we want to get existential i feel like uh, uh for me if i didn't then um dude i wasn't going to get any attention i wasn't going to be seen i was probably going to get spanked like it was this expectation of like you you perform uh at a high level and if you are second place you're the first loser <laughs> like i remember my dad telling me specifically it's like second okay. place congratulations first loser so there's always like this bar, this expectation that I took on that that was like, I have to be the best, I have to perform. And if not, then I'm basically going to get cast out of the family or I'm not going to be accepted by the family. Ooh. So then it wasn't like, a, for me, I'm, I'm sure I'm the one who created all of those stories, right? And I'm sure my dad was just totally doing his best to pull his potential or my potential out of me, um, like a good father could. But there's like, there's like a middle ground to it. Like I'm a father, I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter. And so it's like, how do I walk that tension where I'm pulling uh, her potential out of her, but I'm also not holding a space where she feels less than that if, if she doesn't hit that bar, right? So there's like empathy with the calling forth piece. Yeah. And the household I grew up in, <laughs> there was no empathy. I, I grew up in a blue collar redneck family 
uh, here in Texas. And so it was very much just like, if you're crying, I've had bigger scratches on my, on my eyeballs. If you're crying, let me give you something to cry about. So that no empathy. Then with this bar set of you have to perform, I think for me was kind of a perfect storm. Also, I didn't know this till recently. Uh, I feel like uh, I, I'm a self-diagnosed HSP, a highly sensitive person. You can go down that rabbit hole if you, you want to, yes. which it represents about 18 to 20% of the human population. It's really not talked about that much. So inherently, I am naturally sensitive. So that fused with in this whole environment that I grew up in was just kind of a whole, I think, perfect storm setting me up um, for that. Yeah. And you realize <clears throat> your parents, you know, dealt with their parents. Totally. Uh, in our age group, maybe some depression era scarcity, um, maybe some wartime kind of uh, anxiousness. So there wasn't a lot of time back, you know, you, it, it can go up the, the family tree of empathy, right? It can go, you can kind of go through that and go, okay, well, there, our parents probably had it in a weird way. They had to deal with a lot of that crap. What made them tough? I'm guessing West Texas, old school, in my, in my mind, in my imagination, I have, uh, for some reason, I have a, uh, a prickly fence in my head standing next to that and just going, you know, you gotta you gotta herd the cattle and whatnot, and it's because those were assets back in the day. I, I may be glomming on too much, but um, I always try to go back a couple generations and go, well, what led them to being kind of like that, right? Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And an HSP, I've never heard it coined that way. Uh, I've just heard people go, I'm I'm just very sensitive to others. Yeah, so let me frame that. So I think her name was Elaine Aaron. She wrote a book called The Highly Sensitive Person. Uh, she even has a documentary. You can go watch it on, on Prime. But the sentiment is within all, all mammals, at least, um, about 20% of the population is what they would call sensitive. So here's my interpretation. She breaks this down a lot more scholarly than the way I'm going to articulate it. But this is my interpretation of what she was saying. If we were monkeys, and if you look at monkeys, there's going to be 18%-ish of the monkeys who are going to kind of sit back and they're kind of like, just kind of watching. And then the other monkeys, they're just kind of flinging poo at each other, right? And they're, and they're like, come on, have a good time, fling some poo with us. And these other monkeys are like, I really would like to, but number one, I feel overwhelmed by all of the poo slinging. And number two, did you know there's a tiger down below the canopy? Like if we fall, we're going to get eaten by tigers. And there's also an eagle that's flying overhead. Don't know if you guys are aware of that. And so this whole set of the 18%, the HSP segment of the population, the whole purpose is to ensure the survival of the species. So for the other 88-ish percent of the population, or 80 whatever, percent of the population, 80%-ish, or 78 to 80% of the population, to then look at the other 18%-ish of the population and say, hey, there's something wrong with you. It's really meant to help coexist. Like we're both helping each other out, but it's not really comparing apples to apples. And so, um, yeah, that was a rabbit hole for me to learn how to navigate life with just being that type of person. So it's complementary or supplemental in the kind of the ecosystem of whatever's going on. Exactly. I mean, a, a good uh, an HSP person who's home, meaning home in themselves, uh, their natural propensities are going to pick up on all of these things that an, an, an average person 
um, isn't seeing, not saying that the average person is better or worse than the other, the HSP. It's not that. I'm just saying the HSP is going to have access to data that the other majority of the, the population is not going to have access to, right? right? And if an HSP doesn't understand that about themselves, then they kind of go through life thinking there's something wrong with them. Why can I not just be like the other people? Why can't I blend in? Maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe I have a mental health disorder rather than just being like, no, you just have a different way of living. You get to learn how to offset and proactively offset the amount of data that you're picking up on um, and then leverage that gift to be able to come back and help all of these other people um, with all the data that you're picking up on. Yeah, I, I've, I've been told I have a high EQ. Um, I, I'd say I have hypervigilance for a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be observed, like, like really kind of inane things like no one's bothered by that TV in the corner over there in this room that's flickering. All right. I'll just, I'll, I won't say anything. That, that kind of thing. It helps. It, it helps with stand up Cause if I walk into any, any show, uh, something weird's usually going on or you, I can get it. I honestly get an energy of the audience before walking up a lot of the time yep. uh, and go, okay. They feel tight. Even before the show starts, you can kind of, it's palpable in a weird way. But yep. not not to the point where I'm like, I can touch the ground or I'm rogue from X-Men or something like, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, it's a little intangible, but you're you're kind of assessing a lot of things without realizing it. Yeah, I, I can totally relate. Uh, and in human design, I have an open sacral. So um, when I walk into a room, I, too, I can totally feel the energy completely what's going on without anybody saying anything i kind of know exactly the sentiment in the room for sure yeah well i should caveat that if i'm dial if i'm kind of in uh not in the zone but present in what i'm doing like i can walk through a grocery store and not have any thoughts because i'm listening to a podcast about something or i'm thinking about something else but if i'm kind of like hey this meeting i'm going into or this show i'm doing I can kind of come into that. Um, so tell me about social glow. Uh, you know, the community thing's interesting. We've got, you know, you've got Facebook groups and now they're kind of, um, how do we say this? Uh, you know, once I, once I found out like four or five years ago, basically a lot of these Facebook groups were getting started by people to, uh, monopolize on them to be advantageous on a local level or a mom group level, uh, but in a sneaky kind of way, like they would just make the groups appear to be these things that they care about to help, you know, to have something to talk about or set them up to sell, which, you know, is, is nothing really that bad. It just didn't feel like that was the purpose of them. Um, or, uh, You've got Discord now. You've got you know Slack communities sometimes. Where's the kind of community landscape right now for people to find their group, really? Yeah, I still think for top of funnel, I still think probably Facebook is where most people are going to find their groups. Because it's easy, <laughs> right? Because it's easy. It's, yes, it's easy. It's already baked into the user behavior. Like there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of, I think, ad advantages to saying, yeah, for top of funnel, for big audience building, you probably would still want to use Facebook because, I mean, there's so many active users. I know Facebook gets a lot of hate 
um, currently within the whole social media atmosphere, but it's still a ginormous platform. It still has a huge active user base, especially for people our age. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's I would like say hooking up with an uggo. Everybody's done it. You, what they've done is made it a good job that you have to log in every now and again. Yep. Right. To use the other aspects of Meta. So I compared to hooking up with an uggo. No one wants to admit it. Everybody does it every now and again when they're single. Um, and uh, but every our age group uses Facebook. They don't want to admit it because it's gross. They're yep. proud of Instagram, but it's literally the same company, which I find fascinating. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, it's all good. Now the downside, though, is the algorithm. Um, they're and Facebook is burying group notifications. So I don't know if you've noticed this. I've noticed this. I'm not in a whole bunch of groups, but in the groups that I'm a part of, I actually like to be a part of. But I actually just don't get notifications. Like people post, admins post, I don't get notifications. I don't get notified. And I don't know if you're like me, but if I do not get notifications, I don't go out of my way to go look. <laughs> right. And so that's the downside. So it's like on one side, it's like, well, there's an advantage. It's free. It costs nothing. I can tap into a big, large user base. It's baked into their, their daily behavior. But then the downside, the algorithm, censorship, nobody's seeing everything. And then, of course, Facebook is moving to serving um, more and more short form content. So they, they want that TikTok short form, 15, 30 second, 60 second real based content. So if somebody is creating really good content inside their group, um, it's just not going to get shown. And so, like you said, then people are like, okay, well, then I'll go to Slack. Well, I don't know about you. I'm a part of one Slack community. I'm part of AdSkills Mastermind. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like Slack for community. I, it, I find it annoying. I find it cold. I don't find it. I also find it extremely overwhelming. And then Discord, maybe I'm just not cool enough or hip enough, but I just can't figure out Discord. I haven't, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> I, I pride myself on, uh, you know, teaching myself whatever, but I, I I look at it, I feel like my dad with an iPhone. I'm like, I don't, well, I don't, why? Like, isn't there Reddit? Isn't this just people from Reddit? You know? Yeah, dude. I had such a, a, a similar experience. My cousin and my brother, um, they love doing like fight companion shows on Discord when we're watching like a UFC pay-per-view. Sure. So they're like, come on, join our Discord. And I'm like, no, dude, I don't want to learn a new piece of technology. And they're like, yeah, it's because you're almost 40. And, <laughs> and I was like, ah, I guess I finally hit the point where I just don't want to learn a piece of technology. I feel like I need to give it another go maybe just because I feel like a lot of stuff on the Vanguard might be going on over there, but that might just be FOMO kind of thinking. Um, so how do you, what, what does one do to create uh, an engaging community? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of people creating micro communities. And so like in the IM space, you know how we have challenges or if we have like a, a mini class or something of that nature where we're helping um, a person solve a problem and we're helping them by helping them kind of good old Frank Kern <laughs> methodologies. Right. I, I, I know the opposite of that. Hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I, I profess like teaching, teaching people will make you better at what you're doing. And not only will you feel better, but you'll get better at whatever it is you're teaching. So totally, you said yeah. it more concisely. 
Totally. Yeah, I remember in Course of Miracles, they say something like, as you teach, so shall you learn, kind of fits that, yes, that yes, a little yes, bit. Yes. And so like with Social Glow, you can create just a, a small micro community. And we used to do this with Facebook groups back in the day, where if you're going to run a live training, or maybe if you're doing a live launch, where it's a three part video series, or whatever, like you would get people like you create a Facebook group, you add people in there, and then you would, of course, release the content and everybody's like talking about the content. And then you would make your, your offer, right? This, you could do the same thing. Like with Social Glow, the cool thing is, is the app's free for, for the members. You can have unlimited um, uh, members. You have unlimited groups. You can schedule all of your content. And then so when you, but the cool thing is, is when you post your content, everybody's receiving the push notifications. It's all, it's all right there inside their app. It's not like in Slack or Discord where you have all of these channels and then you have all these people talking in all the channels and it's like, I don't even know which channel to go into or where do I start? Do I, do I intro myself in the intro channel or right. do I talk about marketing in the marketing channel? Like you just post right there in the feed and have the discussions. And so I would tell anybody if they want to start a community, what is that thing that you're passionate about? What is the thing that you want to help somebody get and then create a micro community um, around that. And I'm, I'm also finding, I don't know law if you're experiencing this or not, but it seems like more and more people feel a bit isolated. Um, and so like in the course space, it's like, yeah, I get to learn something, but it's a lot more fun if we're, if we're learning as a community, if we can create groups of people who are learning together rather than just isolated people learning on their own. This is, this dovetails into gamification, I'm guessing, but I, I would call it, we're in the gold star generation. Hey, look at what I learned. Look at what I did because no one's giving that that recognition uh, on a personal offline level. Maybe uh, I find myself doing it. I'm not, I'm guilty of it as well, but it is like, um, you know, at least in the marketing world that we, we are both in, in some form or another, it's like, sometimes you have to tell everybody what you're doing or else they'll, they'll never know. And it feels gross, but whatever. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, the community is good for the gold star, but also, and this might be American, I'm to understand more American than other countries in a lot of ways, but, uh, you know, we want to compete. We want to be, even if it means, you know, points that don't add up to anything. Like, uh, I remember playing Halo back in the day, way back in the day. We're talking 20 years ago, I guess. And like, my roommate was like, I want to be like in the top 10 or whatever it is. They show the, the best Halo players. And it's like, why? And it's like, I don't know, just be cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But you you have to like, that's all your life is to get there. And he's like, I can do it. I'm like, all right, I'll talk to you later, buddy. And like, but I get it. You know, um, Americans by nature have that. I don't know if that's unique to us or if gamification where you're, you're bidding people against each other really helps kind of foster a community or not. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's a bit of a myth to, to put gamification into a box of it's me versus you. I, I think it's just my own opinion. Sure. 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 No, uh, it can be you versus yourself by, you know, it could be you versus our, um, my, it could be me versus me. Um, and I'm also getting at that I, this idea of competition, I definitely think is a very, a very American way of thinking. It's yeah. me versus the world. It's me versus me. Like I have to compete. If I don't compete, then what's the point of existing potentially? I guess we could even take it to that. Like my wife's from Romania 
and I've spent quite a bit of time in, in Romania. And so when I first went to Romania, you know, that culture is communist and I had never experienced communism. I've never experienced people who grew up in communist culture. And my experience of the people who grew up in communist culture was very, very cool um, because there was no, you know, like when you meet somebody in America, there's always this energy. And since you said you can feel the energy, I'm going to imagine that you have had this experience. When you meet somebody new, there's this constant like, where do we line up? Am I above you? Am I below you? Am I better than you? Are you better than me? Like there's like this energetic jostling going on. Have you ever experienced that meeting people in America? I get it. Um, I, I'll, I get it on a funny level. Like people want to be like, are you really funny? Tell me a joke. And I'm just like, I'm not a fucking jukebox, man. Like, like it's not, it doesn't work that way. But like, they're trying to size me up. And I'm like, Perfect. I don't really care about you. I, you know, yes. after a while I stopped giving a shit yeah. and became happier. Now I know yeah. what you're saying. I, we have, a, I'm in Tampa, Florida. We've got a lot of Cuban people, you know, uh, their families came over here, grew up communist uh, style, had had a 1950s car. They had to figure out how to restore. There's not as much of that, I would say, because maybe it was defeatist for them to start, or maybe it's not like everybody's got their eyes on the prize kind of thing uh, from the get-go. Yeah, perfect. So you can see, so there's this distinction between like, okay, I got to size you up versus at least the people I've met from communist culture. We're all in it together. Like there's this equal playing field. And then, then there's just the possibility of connection if there's shared values and if we choose to, to hang out and communicate together. Maybe you've experienced that with some of mm -hmm. the, the Cubans. It's just like, hey, we're all in this together. Um, oh, yeah. Mike, show me how to, you want to grab a taco? A pig better than anybody, bro. They yeah. put on spit. They'll, they'll get all, all of that gristle off. But awesome. yeah, I, I agree. You find that. You find that through line with almost I can with almost anybody, but yeah, there is a lot of um, you know in the professional world, especially it's it's very much if you have to go to a networking event, which is always horrible. That's probably the to me the most telling of what you're talking about, where it's like they might as well just go, "How can you help me?" When they meet you, go, "Hi, AJ. My name is Law. How can you help me?" Like you might as well just say that. Because the pomp and circumstance doesn't matter. You know? And maybe they should just skip that. <laughs> maybe they should just skip that and be like, hey, I'm here to figure out how to take your money. So do right. you want to just give me your fucking money? Maybe we can right. just skip I'm, all of it. <laughs> I'm a snake oil salesman. Is this your first time at a B&I group? Um, yeah. But with gamification, like, all right, I want to get to this bullet point of uh, – well, really, we got two I want to hit because everyone's freaked out about AI um, and all of that. You know, any AI, chat GPT, Bard, Grok, Grok, whatever uh, X, X's uh, AI is called. But how do you compete with that for your community? Well, there's the distinction between content being generated by AI uh, versus like-minded people learning something together or going on a journey together. And I think this is where the community fits in. And this, and this also does tie into, in, into gamification. It's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're competing um, for maybe a prize or who has the highest points, but it's only because as a community, we're rallying around a cause 
and we want to go somewhere or we want to learn a certain skill set or we want to do good or whatever the cause of the, the community the, is. And I think this is one of the biggest things about like AI. Uh, if a business is, especially if you're a coach, course creator, um, a mastermind organizer, I suppose, trying to think of different industries. That, that, that mastermind term is like right up there with brain trust. <laughs> you know, like I don't have any trust in brain trusts and masterminds. Uh, it usually preys on the non-masterminds. Um, but uh, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, so it's just like the community piece is is what's going to allow those businesses to thrive beyond AI, just creating content, creating content, creating content. Especially, um, I don't know if you're experiencing this, when I read content that's uh, created by AI, I typically know it's created by AI because it seems like it doesn't have any essence. It's just dry. It's, it's I don't know, it's just dry. It doesn't have personality. Um, and so... I've been saying on this show, it sounds like a foreign exchange student wrote it pretty much. If it's any kind of something to read, it's just a little off. You get what this thing's saying, but it's, sure. you know, no one proofreads it before posting a lot of the time. Yeah. And so I think this is where the community piece stands out and allows the business um, to really survive uh, and not only survive, but to really, really thrive. And we can create community around a whole bunch of things. I mean, even if we go outside of IM for a second, uh, I had our air conditioning replaced a couple years ago. And if the service provider said, hey, I have this community, um, we add all of our customers into it, and uh, I post like advice, you know, once a month or whatever to help you get the, you know, the, the best longevity out of your air conditioning system. Do you mind if I add you in there? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And so he could tell me and create content uh, once a month, or he could create a video and put it in there. And maybe it's summertime and be like, hey, if you haven't cleaned out your cool your coils, make sure you get the water hose. Here's how you do it. If you do this, I'll give you another five years. So you're not having to come pay me uh, another you know $18,000 for an, another air conditioning unit. Now, it sounds crazy, but that's going to help that dude have a longer, a higher LTV because when my air conditioning inevitably breaks at some point, if he was nurturing me inside a community, guess who I'm going to call when I have problems or guess who I'm going to refer when I'm talking to somebody and they have an air conditioning problem. That dude who's been helping me out inside the community that's helping me take care of my air conditioning unit because I know nothing about air conditioning units. I didn't even know I needed to clean out the coils. Um, thankfully, my dad was here over the summer and I was like, what the fuck happened to our air conditioning? He's like, did you clean out the coils? I'm like, no, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh yeah. So there's so many possibilities for all types of businesses leveraging community if they'll think about it and just really go out of their way to actually, I don't know, care about people, serve their people. Those who are willing to do that, I think they're going to thrive um, as we come into more of AI integration. Well, you kind of nailed the, the last question I had for you, which is kind of talking about, you know, how do you get those higher paying clients in a I kind of summarize that as, you know, you can build trust with your community for the long run. They'll come to you with intent for maybe knowledge or to know that they're not getting ripped off by their HVAC, which happens a lot. Um, I've had to, had some of those clients. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's a long-term trust building. And I'm sure you'll say, the more you put into the community, the more you get out, but the more they get out. 
I, I would, I mean, yeah, I think it just comes back to like help, help solve problems. And I think yeah. this is where a lot of people go wrong when it comes to community is they're trying to solve this big nebulous thing. And I'm not saying it's a bad, a bad thing, but if we pull it, pull it back to the basics and just really live in the question as a business owner, what is a very simple or what is a problem? What is a single problem I could help my perfect customer get in a very short period of time? If we can do that, then there's, we could create a, like I said, a master class, a low ticket product, a low ticket challenge that we can pay. We, we can have people pay for to solve that problem upfront. We can use gamification. You could house it in social glow. You're going to get paid to build the community. And then from there, just keep showing up to help them solve problems. And that that is going to lead people um, into whatever your, your path is for bigger products, bigger services, whatever your, your sales path is. And we did talk about this on gamification a little bit, but also thinking about like inside Social Glow, we give all of the, the admin the ability to give people points for liking a post, commenting on a post, um, watching a video, completing an action item, completing a course. And so you can think through, it's like, okay, well, if I'm helping somebody solve a simple problem, whatever that is, and here's all of the steps and tasks that I need them to do to get the result that they've paid for. If they did all of those things and they did all the actions um, and you set how many points are you going to get per action, what's the total of those points? And let's just say it would be a thousand points. Well, and let's say your offer is uh, $3,000 for maybe 60 days of coaching with you, or maybe it's, I don't know, $10,000 or $18,000 for an AC unit, since we talked about that. We then could say, hey, you have these thousand points. I don't know if you know this, but those are dollars now, and you could roll that into the $3,000 coaching program or the $18,000 AC unit, or however we want to think about the redemption piece of the points rather than just thinking about it as like competition of like, oh yeah, law, you're the, the top performer this week. Congratulations. Let me send you a hat. Nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. But I'm saying there's a different way of thinking about these points rather than just thinking about it as like, let me, let me recognize you. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. Could you imagine law going into Chuck E. Cheese, playing the games, getting tickets, but then there's no redemption counter. How would you like Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, not very much. Yeah, not very much, right? So why don't we start thinking about applying a Chuck E. Cheese philosophy or mentality um, into community and, and leading our people? Yeah, I like it. You're, you're doing the Lord's work. Uh, a rising tide raises all boats. I was trying to think of more idioms. Uh, um well, uh, if anybody wants to find out more, get the get your glow up, social glow up, huh, wink, um, on socialglow.com. And thanks for coming on, bud. Yeah, dude. Law, thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you later.